I'm Bethann Garman Merkel. I'm Virginia Schutte, and this is Meteor, the honest podcast about science communication with impact. A couple of years ago, we launched this podcast to make an advanced user space to muse and chat with all of you. And whoo, does it feel different today? Like the world is different. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, we mean everything. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> so this season, we're taking a look at the systems of SciComm, what we love, what we work to change, and how trying to change things through SciComm shapes the work that we do and our rants. We are building new things too, but we can't tell you the details yet. The things that we are making will hopefully help y'all listeners make change by creating relationships and by helping you take action. If you want to know more, Follow us on social media or get on our email list, and we promise we've got too many emails too. We only send podcast and program updates. This is another episode where we are starting with a question. Today's question is, how do I know that I'm capable of doing the thing? And when I say I, I mean the universal I, like not me, Virginia, but as a question, how do you, how does anyone know that you're capable of doing the thing? Our last episode, we talked about getting out of your own way, stopping stinking thinking, but that is not the same as hyping yourself up and convincing yourself that you are capable. Not at all. And I think for me, part of this is that it's not even convincing, it's recognizing. Ooh. It's like owning it. Burp, burp. <laughs> it's in there, right? There we it's, go. <laughs> it's like be your own good hype buddy, right? That's what we're talking about today. And part of part of what we have to do to do this, to like do right by ourselves basically, is shift from just hyping ourselves up, like this is the thing I can do, I'm good at this, come on you, to also recognizing that we are gonna have to hype ourselves up to do things in front of people because systems change doesn't always happen quietly in a recording closet. And also we're gonna have to hype ourselves to other people. And those are big steps. I think this is so, this is such a good point because we've spent episodes in past seasons talking about, you know, self-marketing and self-confidence and all that, but it's different when you have to write a thing or just do a project in your space. You know, we were talking last episode about having the salary and you do the project. Um, that's different than getting in front of a group, a group of people and convincing them that a system that is should be different or that a new whole giant way of being should exist. Um, and then you have to tell them why you or your team are the people that should make those changes happen. That's different. Yeah, and, and I have an example for us here of how I think about this in a way that feels like it works for me. And I'll start by saying many times in the last couple seasons, we have said things like, it's okay to want success. It's okay to want to be recognized for things. That's not quite what I'm talking about here. For me to feel like I can get real good transformative work done in the environments that I work in and feel like I can make a difference in, I can't work alone anymore. Mm -hmm. I have actively had to recognize that about myself, acknowledge it, say it out loud to people that I want to work with, and 
then hype my ideas to them in a way that makes them actually want to work on them <laughs> with me or find space for us to create ideas to work on together. And I'll give you just one example of how I think that this can play out in really important ways. I'm never gonna be capable of all by myself having all the time that I need to run a couple of the programs that I have anywhere between five and 15 collaborators on campus Oof. lined up for right now. If we ever get the funding for these ideas, it will take most of those people to get these things done because they're huge ideas. They are campus-wide ideas and we want to like churn out people who have had these experiences. It's just flat not possible, even if I didn't sleep, for me to do those things alone. <laughs> well, I, th I think the other aspect of this is like, we're talking about hyping ourselves up, but if we are so integrated into these teams then to make these big systemic changes that we're talking about and build programs, then you have to be able to hype the team up. So like people individually on the team, but also the combination of experiences and perspectives that makes this team the one that can make the thing happen, right? Yes, and for me, there's a layer of this. I've talked a little bit about this in the past that I carefully read the news alerts that come out internally in our university and I reach out to folks and congratulate them on things they're working on when good things are announced like a grant or a new appointment or something like that, partially to reinforce our relationships or establish a new relationship, but partially to validate them. And so for me, part of, part of the hype here is not necessarily, come on, you can do this thing on this thing that we're working on together. It's making sure that people are being validated and celebrated and valued and recognized in every possible space that I can influence. I like that because especially when you're part of a team, if you are the person number two on the author list, like if you're not explicitly corresponding author or whatever the equivalent is for how people are contacting you, it can feel like, oh, hey, the, the front person is attracting, is a magnet for all of the congratulations and the recognition. And But if it's truly done by a team, then there's, I think, a responsibility for us to recognize that a team did it. And also when you're on the team to make sure that you are promoting the other people that did it with like, recognizing explicitly that it wasn't you, even if you're the leader of this thing, that it was the team. Yep, and I think my, my extra dimension, you call it your whipped cream or your cherry on top or whatever you want, is when people do good work that validates what we want them doing with us, celebrate that too. Hmm. So as an example, I have a colleague and a graduate student that I mentor, and I would say it's probably fair that I mentor both of them in some dimensions of things. In both of those instances, those folks have worked with me on ideas that they were going to go do. I don't, I honestly don't want anything to do with the doing of these ideas because I have other things to work on. And when they do those things well, I want to make sure that other people know about it. Mm. So it's not just building them up or building myself up in the environment that we do the work in, but making sure that we're basically in a professional ecosystem where as often as possible, we're all being built up for our work. I wanna believe that these people can do what I hope we do together. And one of my best ways to do that 
is to make sure that they're being seen and celebrated for the good work all the time. So this matches, Bethann, some of the stuff that we've been talking about in the past couple weeks. We've been seeing data from multiple communities about how not only do people want to, you know, you were talking about wanting to do things in teams and like that's what makes it possible when you're doing the kind of work we're doing right now, but people want to do just work with other people, <laughs> even if it's not work that they're doing together. And I'm thinking about um, the data says that people want to do work with cohorts over time. And sometimes this is like building themselves up or working on their own projects, but like alongside other people and there's some aspect of development. But I know, I mean, we've talked so much about, like I now have, let's see, it's three or four uh, co-working sessions that I do every single week. And I'm only working with, I think, two of those people on projects that we're building together. The others are just, it's nice to have someone say, I like you, good job. And you can be like, thanks, me too. Here's what we're both working on. And then in the end, you say good job again to each other before you sign off. So I know this episode is called yelling yes at yourself, but I think this is really a recognition that for us in the team-based settings we're working in now, both for things we do alone and for things that we build in teams that couldn't be done alone, everything just feels better these days when you're yelling yes at yourself and there are other people next to you like cheering on your decision to yell yes at yourself. Yes, and I have so many directions that my follow-up could go with this and I want to <laughs> just start by saying... I think one of the most important ways that I pump myself up about stuff that could be intimidating or professionally risky or take a lot of time these days is that it's really, it fuels me to work with other people. I try to work with people that are fun to work with. I want to work on projects that at least in some way feel like they're going to be intellectually super interesting and maybe even fun. I know that a lot of social justice work doesn't always feel fun, but if we kill all the joy in it, nobody's <laughs> going to stick around enough to really, really do this work unless it directly impacts them, and that's just not fair, right? So, so I also think it's super important for us to leave ourselves space in this kind of work to recognize what is really compelling, what is stimulating about it. And then I also think that I'm really close... I'm really close to done asking for permission. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I support that. I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to not asking permission. <laughs> I want to be done asking permission, but I'm going to be honest and say I'm really close. Well, so I, I want to give an example here too, because it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like one of those self-help books to be like, don't ask for permission. <laughs> and it, it can sound very vague. But but we did this, I mean, again, we, we you know, we... We kind of played out these conversations a little before we had them. And one of the things we were talking about with the intro to the podcast this season is, you, we want to just own that we're coming back again and doing this space. We feel like when we first started, we had this big discussion about how do we introduce it and be like, hi, we hope it's okay that we have this podcast. We think, we think we're the, it's, it's kind of new, but like, we don't know what everybody says. And now it's just like, hey, we're going to talk about this thing. Thanks Again. for coming. Yeah, even more. <laughs> Thanks for coming along with us and listening. And and so I I think it's it's not even that it's explicit permission sometimes as much as it is 
owning the space you're in and saying, you know what, I don't know everything that everyone has ever done in the entire world, but I know that this is what I'm doing and we're just gonna see how this goes. I agree with you. And I will say maybe part of why I say almost done is that there is an aspect of this that's baked into the way that we got born. We, yeah. and, and, and the sort of professional trajectories that we have had, which has placed us in a spot of real privilege and moderate power. <laughs> I mean, I, but I think there's real power too that lies in the privilege. So like, yes. if, if we have an opinion, if we speak up, there are things that are coded into society about how to react to us. Yeah, speaking up and saying the things. I know we talk about this all the time. So yeah, absolutely. Um, this is our you you know this is our perspective yeah. on how we can move through the world as us and with our privilege. Right. And one example of where this is happening in an important way for me right now is that I run I run something that's free that is meant to help people get better at things they want to get better at and get credit for things they are already doing, which feels important. I don't want extra work required to get credit for things anymore. And this has worked really well for pretty much everyone who has gone through this so far. And recently I spent rounds of correspondence with someone who was saying that none of the instructions were helpful. And it was extremely important to me to figure out what was going on there because we had never heard that feedback from anyone before. And it wasn't about whether we thought we had explained ourselves where, well, clearly this wasn't working. And that's SciComm 101, right? Calibrate for your audience. It's not always an issue of misunderstanding, but it can often be that we're taking something for granted that someone else doesn't have access to or hasn't been exposed to in the past, and so our shorthand on something doesn't make sense. So I, I think also in terms of like permission and privilege, it's still really important, even as I'm like, these are the things that I'm gonna do, because this stuff matters and it needs doing, and I wanna do it and I feel good about it, and I feel good at it. Still being responsive to people about how that gets done in ways that actually meet the kinds of needs I'm trying to meet. So then hype yourself up in team settings while recognizing that you can be qualified to do the thing and doing the thing well doesn't necessarily mean that you don't listen to feedback or recognize your own perspectives and privileges along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. So... Over to you, listeners. Tell us, how are you consciously hyping yourself up, maybe even in a team setting? You've been listening to Meteor, the honest podcast about science communication with impact. To join this conversation, tell us how you secure confidence or fake it. You can do that on social media, or you can submit a note on our website, meteorsycom.org. Talk soon. Thank you.